Turn with me now to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. And we're going to be reading verses 39 through 46. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, 39 through 46. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has uh, rode a donkey into Jerusalem. The people have hailed him as the king. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then Jesus has, uh, or, or brings the disciples together to observe the Passover meal and transforms it to become what we understand is the Lord's Supper. And after the Lord's Supper, they went out from there to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus uh, prays there because in Gethsemane, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus is very much aware that he is going to be crucified shortly. Today's message, and my heart and my hope, is to bring you and me into this moment of agony and anticipation and hear some admonitions, if you will, that Jesus is uh, wanting us to grasp. He has invited these disciples to go with him to pray in the garden and uh, to be ready for the crucifixion that's going to come the next morning. And uh, I want us to hear the heart of Christ as we think about the cross of Christ that, is, uh, that lies ahead of him just the, the very next day. Uh, here in chapter 22, beginning in verse 39, the scripture says, He came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel of the Lord from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony. We're going to talk about that word agony here in a moment. He was praying fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Twice, Jesus, as if we were looking at bookends to this episode, admonishes the disciples to, to pray that they may not enter into temptation. Will you join with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear the word of God. We pray that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction, a challenge, a word of courage, and a word of comfort. Because you, by your steadfast love and commitment, have secured for us what we cannot secure for ourselves, and that is salvation and eternal life. Bless the reading of the word and the preaching of the word, I pray it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today we're going to talk about Jesus anticipating the cross. We're going to talk about Jesus' agony concerning or about the cross. And then we're going to talk about Jesus' admonitions from the cross itself. First of all, Jesus is anticipating his own death. He has been saying to his disciples, to the Pharisees and others around him, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, which was Jesus' favorite 
title to use of himself, which emphasized his humanity. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He said, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to be raised the third day. Peter, Peter said, no, Lord, this is not going to happen. Others couldn't believe that that could even happen. And yet Jesus, anticipating that it's going to be the very next day, having been betrayed by Judas Iscariot, none of this caught him by surprise. He was anticipating what was to come. And in anticipation of what was to come, he went to the Father in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the cross, as he prays, looms large in the distance. Why was Jesus praying? I think if I knew I was going to die the next day, I'd be in prayer too. But how would you pray? Jesus is seeking courage and consolation when he prays. Now, if you think about secular history, you think of the great Greeks that died, Socrates and others. When they died, they died with a sense of, uh, uh, of, of being a hero. Bring it on, I'm ready to die, no big deal. Uh, a kind of a aloofness and a kind of a detachment from the pain and suffering of death itself. Uh, you also had others that, that died and fought every ounce and every minute of it. But here for Jesus Christ, he knows he's going to die. He is willing to do it, but he asked the Father, is there not some other way? Jesus is always at prayer when significant things happen in his life. As he came up out of the water and went into the wilderness, he prayed 40 days and 40 nights before he began his ministry here on earth. He was in prayer when he was transfigured before the three uh, disciples on that Mount of Transfiguration. And he was in prayer here in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. And he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. Some of us think that, well, Jesus went to the cross and he accepted it freely and didn't really agonize about it. And the Bible says Jesus agonized as much as sweat drops of blood came from his forehead. And he said to the disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. What is he saying to us? What is he saying to us? I think he's saying to us that we need to be in prayer as he was in prayer with the Father because it was his custom, the Bible says. It was his custom to leave a crowd and go find uh, solace and consolation alone up in the hillsides away from the crowd who needed him to heal them, and yet he left them in order to spend time in prayer with the Father. Because the reason that Jesus came to earth was not to heal everybody. The reason that Jesus came to earth was to heal us of our sinfulness. And that would not be accomplished until he died on the cross. And when he needed courage to do what the Father wanted him to do, he was in prayer. I hope you will accept that same spiritual discipline in your life as you follow Christ. There are the big decisions that you have to make from time to time. And then there's just the everyday uh, rudimentary things that we have to do. Talking with the Father and being in conversation with the Father will give you courage to do what you need to do every single day. Some of you may be facing some life-changing decisions in your life as well. God will give you that courage if you will seek Him in prayer. I think Jesus is saying for us to pray because 
we need to be praying that we complete our assignment. Jesus was given an assignment. That's why he left heaven and came to earth. He had an assignment. His assignment was to go to the cross and bear the sins of our world in his own body and die for us as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That was his assignment. And Jesus prayed that he would complete his assignment, not fall into distractions. And one of the distractions that the disciples are experiencing right here is that they are tired. And we get tired. And tiredness can become a distraction from our assignment. And Jesus prayed that the Father, and for us as well. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that a long prayer that, that prayed for you and for me that we would be faithful in our assignment. Also, I think Jesus is praying and wanting us to pray that we maintain our integrity until we die. That we not lose who we are. That we not forget who we were created to be. That we will claim our Christian identity in the death, the, rare, uh, the resurrection of Christ our Savior and Lord. That the gospel of Christ be who we are because we are transformed by this gospel of Christ. One of the characters in this story right about this time is the Apostle Peter. And, and Peter's really struggling with his own integrity. And he told the Lord Jesus, I will never deny you. And Jesus said to him, before this evening is out, before the, before the cock crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. And sure enough, he did. But after the resurrection, Peter maintained his integrity. In fact, the Bible uh, teaches us that Peter wrote several letters and he said to the church as he was getting old in age, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter, I know, used his times of stumbling, his times of, of uncertainty, his times of when he lost his integrity. Those were growing times for him. It's so much so that after the resurrection of Christ, he too was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified as Jesus was. He was crucified upside down will you have and hear this question will you have the integrity to be faithful to Christ until you breathe your last breath or on your journey with the Lord till that day comes will you deny him will you deny him after the execution of Peter there were others in the in the decades that followed that died a martyr's death as well. All the apostles except one died a martyr's death. And one of those was Polycarp, a bishop. Bishop of Polycarp, Polycarp. Bishop of Smyrna. Polycarp was his name. Excuse me. I'm a great church historian, as you can tell. The bishop of Smyrna, his name was Polycarp. Uh, he was ordained into the ministry by John the... the uh, uh, apostle of, 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 of our Lord. He served the Lord. He was faithful to the Lord. And his day, it was a threat to, to the king, to the dictator, to Rome, to name the name of Christ. And he would not recant. And he was arrested. And he was in his mid-80s. And they said to him, if you do not recant, if you do not deny your faith in Christ, we will burn you at the stake. And his response was this, You threaten me with fire, which burns for an hour, and is then extinguished. 
But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and the eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. Polycarp stayed faithful to his identity in Christ. He maintained his integrity by being faithful to the Lord. Now I ask you this question. What will it take you, what will it take for you to quit? What will it take for you to quit? Will you remain faithful with your assignment? Will you remain faithful in your integrity and your identity in Christ? Or will some little something in this world that doesn't threaten you with fire cancel your integrity and your assignment? Jesus anticipated the cross and that's why he prayed. And I'm friends, I'm telling you, if you will continue that prayer discipline in your life, you will remain faithful to your assignment. You will remain faithful to your integrity and your identity in Christ. Now look in verse 44. As Jesus was praying, Father, not my will, but thine be done, verse 44 says, He was in agony as he was praying. Agony as he was praying fervently as sweat drops of blood falling down upon the ground. I want you to get a sense of what this means and what Jesus endured before he even went to the cross, before he was even beaten and the crown of thorns and all of that. Why was Jesus in agony? Now the word agony means astonishment. Astonishment. And we just read about Polycarp and we just read about the Apostle Peter after the resurrection of Christ. And they faced death with courage. But when Jesus faced death, he didn't say, bring it on like Polycarp did. He didn't say, I'm not worthy to, to die on the cross as uh, the Apostle Peter did. He agonized. What did Jesus see in his time of prayer in the Garden of Eden. What would cause such agony that sweat drops of blood in prayer would fall from the forehead of our Lord? What did He see that you and I have never had to see? Well, the cup of God's will has to do with the very wrath of God on sin and evil in this world. The Bible talks about this cup in several places. It talks about it in Psalms. It talks about it in Isaiah. It talks about the cup of the wrath of God in, in Jeremiah as well. For example, in Isaiah it says, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of wrath, the chalice of reeling, and you have drained it to the dregs, you have drunk my cup of wrath. In the book of Revelation chapter 14, the Bible says, If anyone worships a beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Folks, this is hell itself. And there's no fire hotter than the fires of hell there's no place that's more abandoned than the abandonment of hell itself. And Jesus saw it and agonized. 
He saw more than you and I will ever see concerning the very judgment of the wrath of God upon our sin. And being human, being the Son of Man, he agonized in astonishment. Where Jesus was praying tells us a lot about his emotions. It was in Gethsemane, which means an olive press. An olive press is a, a place that's set aside where olive, um, uh, olives are placed in it. There's a stone that crushes these olives. There's a flat bottom here, and the stone uh, rolls around by ropes and pulleys and so forth until every, every olive has been crushed, and every drop can be uh, 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 squeezed from every olive that's in that Gethsemane, that's in that olive press. That's the agony that our Lord experienced. And what gives me joy as I think about that is the grace of God for you and for me that did not turn away from that cup. He might not have desired it, but he received it. And he knew that in hell he would be abandoned by his father. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We worship every Sunday in celebration of this agonizing sacrifice of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Today we receive the cup and the bread and we remember what was paid for you and for me, the price that was paid for you and for me, and the agony of our Lord Jesus Christ in that garden to say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Paul writes in Corinthians, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. Jesus leaned into the pain, knowing what was lying ahead. Just like you and I, some of you have taken uh, chemotherapy, and you, and you lean into it knowing that healing is going to come to you, hope is going to come to you. Some of you, like myself, have been in physical therapy, and we lean into the pain of physical therapy, believing and hoping that there's going to be something better on the other side. We take, we take painful shots, believing that we're going to be uh, rescued from some virus or, or be, be cured by, from some bacteria. Jesus leaned into the pain of the cross, knowing that you and I were going to be delivered from our sin. And he loved us so much that he agonized about it. He saw the very depths of hell itself, and he said, Father, thy will be done. Thanks be to God. The Bible says, Look to Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You said, now wait a minute, preacher, I thought you said he was agonizing. And now Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What's the difference? Well, the difference is he knew that beyond the cross was his reuniting with the Father. See, that joy that kept Jesus on the cross was the resurrection promise of the Father. The joy that kept Jesus on the cross was reunion with the Holy Father. 
the joy that kept Jesus on the cross was that those he died for, such as the song we just heard, Why Me?, uh, those he died for will be reunited with him as well. He was redeeming you and me, and that was his joy. And I think his greatest joy was that he looked death square in the face and said, I'm going to beat you. My Father is going to raise me from the dead. And all who believe in me are going to be raised from the dead. He stared death in the face even though he knew he would die, even though he knew it would be tormenting with the hope and the joy that he would receive us and he would receive the Father in God's eternal glory forever and forever. I've got three admonitions from this cross experience. This is like a cross before the cross. I think of Gethsemane as a cross before the cross. And I hear some, I hear some admonitions when he says to the disciples here in verse 46, Get up and pray. Get up and pray. Now that's an admonition if I've ever heard it. Pray in submission to the Father's plan for your life and mine. That's what we need to be praying for. That word submission is a military phrase that means you are subordinate to a higher power. Somebody who has authority over you. And it's time for us to pray and let Jesus be truly Lord of every experience of every day of our life. James writes in chapter 4, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, and you will live in victory. We need to be accepting God's grace to be enough without being all-sufficient for everything. I'm not sufficient for everything, but God's grace is. And that's what he wants to get up and pray about. Grace to grow and not run away from the challenges that are before us. Yeah, you and I have got some crosses we need to endure as well. Nothing like the cross of Calvary, but we've got some challenges. But we also find the grace to endure these crosses because we've got a greater life ahead of us than the life we live now. We need to pray believing that God is the master plan for our life. Father, not my will, but thine be done. The psalmist wrote, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in what God wants for your life. It's the best, best plan you can possibly imagine for your life. He'll take you to places you never thought you'd get to go. You'd have greater experiences than you ever thought you could have by the pleasures of this world. Pray believing that God has a master plan for you. And thirdly, pray believing that God will never abandon you. Though Jesus experienced the abandonment of God, you and I never experience it. God never abandons us. He said to us in Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will never abandon you. Those are some admonitions from the cross before the cross that Christ encourages us to be in prayer. Today as we have this song of invitation, I encourage you to be in prayer. Be in prayer as we sing about your relationship with the Lord. Be in prayer as we sing about your relationship with others. Be in prayer as we sing about your walk with the Lord. 
How do you need to be praying more frequently? How do you need to be studying God's word more faithfully? How do you need to be serving? How do you need to continue your assignment? Not quit, not give up, but continue the assignment that God has given you. Pray for the courage and the grace of God to give you the courage that you need to take on whatever chapter God has moved you in in your life now. Maybe there's someone here today who wants to give their life to Christ and follow through in believer's baptism. I invite you to come. If you desire to unite with our church and the sister church, uh, we invite you to come as well. Thank you for this opportunity to examine ourselves through the Holy Spirit and submit ourselves and surrender to your will for our life. And we do this over and over again because we just need to. We need to renew our covenant with you and prepare our hearts now, Lord, to do that while we sing this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church. 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.